Hello, and welcome to People of the Pod, brought to you by American Jewish Committee. Each week, we take you beyond the headlines to help you understand what they all mean for America, Israel, and the Jewish people. I'm your host, Manya Brashear Pashman. On July 18th, Argentine and Jewish communities around the world commemorate the 1994 bombing of the Amia building, the Argentine-Israeli Mutual Association, the center of the Jewish community in Buenos Aires. To this day, that terrorist attack remains the deadliest anti-Semitic attack outside the state of Israel since the Holocaust. It was also a wake-up call for Latin America that anti-Semitism and terrorism have no borders. Late last year, the Organization of American States, or OAS, a United Nations of sorts for 33 Latin American countries, appointed Fernando Lautenberg to serve as its first commissioner to combat anti-Semitism. Joining me today is Fernando and Dina Siegel-Van, director of AJC's Arthur and Rochelle Belfer Institute for Latino and Latin American Affairs. Dina, Fernando, welcome. I'm just going to launch into my questions here, and my first one being, what is the state of anti-Semitism in Latin America? I mean, I know we're talking about 33 countries, so I imagine there are different concerns in different countries, but are there some of particular concern? Thank you so much for this opportunity to discuss some of the most critical issues for Jewish communities in Latin America, and I would say not only for Jewish communities, but for democracies in Latin America, because, of course, we know well that when anti-Semitism is present, democracy is in danger. Thankfully, I would say, and then, of course, I will definitely defer to Fernando Lottenberg, who is to provide his own insights from the perspective of his organization. But from the perspective of AJC, as you know, we have been very much vigilant about anti-Semitism, the increase in this social pathology in the region. We know that this is something that is endangering Jewish communities in Europe and in the United States. I would like to say that, thankfully, we don't see the same levels of violent behavior that we see in those countries. And that doesn't mean that we have to just take this for granted and close shop. On the contrary, I think it's very important to sound the alarm in the region and to say, you know, we have to put some mechanisms in place to ensure that anti-Semitism doesn't catch up in Latin America. Fernando. I couldn't agree more. And I would like to say that I think all of you know that Latin America was a subcontinent founded on the fundamentals of the counter-reform. So you had the Protestant reform and then you had the Catholic counter-reform. And that was the time when the conquistadores came and we had either uh, tribunals of the Inquisition or visitaciones, uh, as they called in our countries, for three centuries. So that left a mark in how Jews are perceived by the populations here. So this goes into the traditional clerical anti-Semitism. We also had, in the end of the 19th century, beginning of the 20th century, a very important uh, German immigration. And when Nazism Uh, rose in Germany, we had important Nazi parties in Latin America too. The largest outside of the Third Reich was in Brazil with 3,000 affiliates. So this on the traditional side, the extreme right side. We also have, not as 
we have in the US or in Europe from the extreme left arriving in our shores. In universities, we saw that in Chile with BDS, something that comes from the extreme left that demonizes Israel and the communities suffer its consequences too. And the third side of that triangle is the Islamic fundamentalism, which has been present in Latin America. We know the worst terrorist attacks after the, the Holocaust happened in Argentina against Jews in 1992 and 1994. So we have this phenomenon happening around. But as Ina said, fortunately, we also have good news. So more and more organizations like the Organization of the American States are creating positions such as the special envoy or commissioner. Countries have been adhering to the IRA definition against anti-Semitism, and we have been present in many of these countries trying to alert of the dangers that anti-Semitism brings, not only to the Jewish communities, but to the whole society. Fernando, where have you traveled so far, and, and have government officials been receptive to your message? Okay, so I was appointed in the end of October, beginning of November last year, and I have been in some of the travels with uh, Dina and the AGC to Chile, Argentina, Uruguay, and Panama in the region. Besides the United States, that I must say not many people are aware of that, that the OES comprehends the 35 states of the Americas, uh, including United States and Canada. So I think the message has been well received. People are understanding what it's all about. That should not be only on the shoulders of the Jewish community to face that dangers. We need the support of governments. We need the support of civil society, of human rights organizations. And we're trying to build that coalition with other minorities to strengthen our fight. Why are there particular pressures in Chile of all the countries in Latin America? What is the source of that? I believe the, the main factor is that there's a very important Palestinian community in Chile, the largest outside of the Middle East, and with an important presence throughout the whole political spectrum from right to left. And the issues related to the Middle East, BDS, et cetera, et cetera, have a distinct role in the Chilean debate that we don't see in other countries so strongly. That what motivated us to be there. Dina, where has AJC been most concerned or been most active in that region? I'll echo Fernando's comments. Absolutely, Chile has been front and center for us. And this is not, you know, this didn't happen in the last year, in the last two years. For the last 10 years, we have heard from our partners, from the Jewish community of Chile, that they were extremely concerned that leaders in the Palestinian community have become radicalized and had started to really engage, not in political discourse, you know, not about being in favor or against some policies that Israel was undertaking, but it was really going over as anti-Semitism and it was creating a lot of problems for the community. The community was feeling very vulnerable. 
and it was something that they hadn't experienced before. There was very little violence, physical violence, although there was some physical violence. There was some graffiti, some vandalism. There was uh, the issue of a soccer match where you had Palestinians and Jews, Palestinian Chileans and Jewish Chileans, you know, in a match. And the Palestinians got very, very violent to the point that, you know, they were denounced before the Federation of Soccer, the International Federation of Soccer, and they were sanctioned because of that. So, you know, it was something that was very evident. The media, certain media outlets that were very much amplifying these type of messages, and the community was feeling very much under attack. So we have been traveling to Chile very consistently throughout, even before, but throughout those 10 years, particularly, we tried to be very present for the community and to make sure that Chile understood that what happened in Chile didn't stay in Chile. That, you know, everything that the Jewish community was experiencing was having an impact on Chile's reputation abroad to the point where members of Congress, of U.S. members of Congress, reacted against what was going on and wrote letters to U.S. government officials saying, you know, we're very concerned about the situation there. So for us, that has been a constant worry. And I think that there's other places, of course, where we see also some issues of concern. But I think that one of the concerns that is throughout the region has to do with the erosion of democracy. And this is something we're seeing, you know, everywhere from Mexico all the way to Argentina. We see these trends where democracy is being weakened. Institutions are being, especially, you know, institutions focused on human rights or civil rights, whatever, are being undermined. Um, and this doesn't bode well for, you know, for Jewish communities, minorities and the population at large. So for us, it's very important to ensure that, as I said, anti-Semitism is seen within the context, the larger context of certain trends in the region that are very worrisome, very concerning, not only to the Jewish communities, not only to AJC, but to everyone who wants to see a Latin America that is stable, that is prosperous, that continues to be inclusive and plural, you know, and where Jews and other minorities can continue to thrive. Fernando, you mentioned a Chilean election. I know there has just been a presidential election in Colombia where a far-left candidate was elected, and there were some concerns about that. I mean, are you seeing electoral fraud or other, are you seeing evidence of this erosion of democracy in the electoral process in various countries? In Latin America, we are used to waves. So you have a wave sometimes of a left-wing or from right-wing. And we have seen more recently a trend with populist candidates all over the spectrum presenting themselves and sometimes winning the elections. Regarding Chile, I have to say that many of the concerns that we listened to while we were there, uh, fortunately, so far have not been confirmed. And we have seen a very moderate position by the new president and his team regarding issues being the Middle East. And we had a very clear statement by one of his advisors that is not an anti-Semitic person and not at all. And so far, I think by what we have seen and heard, I think the situation is okay and we will keep following it. 
regarding Colombia, it is true that the new president a few years ago gave some concerning statements, but I was in touch with the Jewish community last week, and he said this is something that belongs to the past, and they have been in touch with him. And even, for instance, if you take what was one of the epic, the more serious moments regarding the reactions in Latin America and in other countries to what happened after the conflict between Israel and Hamas in Gaza in May 2019. So there was no statement at all by Mr. Petro. So I think this says something. And I think we should be very attentive to what people become and not what they were. So we have to follow their evolution. I think this doesn't happen by chance. There's a lot of work involved by organizations, by Jewish communities, by a lot of people that can result in a better situation for everyone. So I think we will keep following Brazil. We'll have elections next October too. And I think it's good that we have elections that people can choose their presidents. Anyone who knows the history of Latin America knows that it was not always like this. If democracy and human rights and the preservation of civil liberties is something that we cherish and value, that, as Dina said, where minorities can thrive. So we see with very good eyes, with very, in a very positive way, that the elections are happening normally and every three or four or five years, depending on the country, and the elected candidates are being sworn in. And this is good. So it's not happening in Nicaragua, not happening in Cuba. But it's happening in Brazil, in Colombia, in Uruguay, in Chile, in Paraguay, wherever. And so we have to be positive and we have to see exactly what's going on and not making false assumptions about the, the reality. You mentioned the AMIA attack uh, 28 years ago on July 18th the deadliest anti-Semitic attack since the Holocaust, when that was when terrorists bombed the Jewish Community Center in Buenos Aires. I actually met one of the survivors of that attack at our Global Forum last month. And what an incredibly resilient and hopeful human being. I'm talking about Daniel Pomerantz. I mean, just really amazing gentleman. What progress has been made in Argentina since that time? I think that, you know, society absolutely is much more aware and much more sensitized to what this attack represented, not only for the Jewish community, but for Argentinian society as a whole. AMIA has done an incredible job. Danny Pomerans, of course, uh, Daniel Pomerans has been at the front, but they've done an incredible job every year of not reinventing, but trying to rethink ways in which this commemoration can have different meanings in terms of memory, you know, historical memory. How do you recreate memory? It's, you know, the survivors or it's, you know, the family of the survivors or it's, you know, the bystanders. Several years ago, you know, the hospital doctors that received those that were wounded. I mean, they've always found a way to make sure that it's not just another anniversary, but that it keeps really having a strong meaning. I want to tell you that several months ago, I had the privilege of being invited by the Argentine ambassador to Washington, Jorge Arguello. He organized the opening of an exhibit, a photo exhibit, which is photos of survivors. 
It's a famous photographer. And what was fascinating there, you know, you had Deborah Lipstead. It was her first program, official program, after being confirmed as special envoy. You had the ambassador of Israel. You had, you know, people from the State Department. The president of AMIA came. And of course, AJC was the organization, the Jewish organization that was present. But it was very important that, obviously, for the Argentine government to share with American public opinion, beyond the Jewish community, beyond public opinion, the importance that Argentina places on, you know, resolving this, on, as I said, on memory, on accountability, despite the passing of time. So, and in fact, I have to tell you that at that meeting, The ambassador spoke about the possibility of Argentina appointing a commissioner to monitor and combat anti-Semitism in Argentina. We haven't heard more, but, you know, he mentioned it. Like Fernando said, this is a virtual circle that, you know, will be present in many other countries in Latin America and elsewhere. So, yes, you know, AMIA is always a very sad occasion, but it also forces us to think about a lot of important themes, you know, for the Jewish people and for Argentina and for humanity at large, particularly at a time when we're experiencing so much violence, terror continues, anti-Semitism continues. This is a stark reminder, you know, of on one hand, the dangers, the horrible things that can be done by threatening or, or destructive forces, but at the same time, the redeeming power of memory. You mentioned destructive forces. I mean, Hezbollah is really the terrorist organization that carried out that attack. Has there been progress made? I know there's been progress made in Argentina, but elsewhere in Latin America in designating Hezbollah a terrorist organization and getting governments to realize that letting them reign in their backyard is not a good idea. There's some of them. I mean, you have Colombia and you have uh, Guatemala that has done it and Honduras. Uruguay has also recognized Hezbollah as a terrorist organization, but not many more. I mean, this is something that because of, I guess, all the different problems that these countries are facing, it's not really on the radar screen. So that's why it's our job to remind them, unfortunately, that, you know, terrorism has no boundaries. There's no borders. Just like anti-Semitism, there are no borders. Therefore, we have to do what we have to do to ensure that, you know, it doesn't affect their own societies. Many countries don't want to do the hard work or don't have the moral clarity to do it. It's our job as AJC. It's the job of Fernando representing the OAS, you know, to because as you know, the OAS also has recognized Hezbollah as a terrorist organization. So we want to make sure that, you know, this is something that is recognized by a wider specter of sectors and countries in Latin America and throughout the world. So what kinds of anti-Semitism do you encounter in your work? Let me put it like this. Fernando and I have heard hundreds of comments throughout our life in Latin America, and especially as leaders, you know, so many times, whether it be, you know, uh, the Jewish lobby, you hear very much about the Jewish lobby. Remember that Latin America relations with the United States are, you know, many times anti-Semitism is so filtrated through the relationship between the United States and the Jewish community. So sometimes you hear about the Jewish lobby, you know a lot about that, you know how they have control. 
and then you have to kind of like, you know, sometimes set the record straight and sometimes, you know, kind of like just calibrate, you know, to what extent you want to set the record straight because it's a tough thing. You know, Jewish power, as we know, is a very, very difficult concept. And um, lack of power is not good, but also to be perceived as controlling the levers of power is not good either. So as a Jewish leader, you always have to be very much aware, you know, of how you handle this issue of power. When we go and talk to the authorities and to politicians and to people, of course, they won't say it in our faces. But as Dina said, when you bring the Middle East issues, they say, well, we have no problem with Jews. You know, our problem is with Zionism. And Zionism, then the, everything goes and all the old tropes that were related to Jews now have to do with Israel, with apartheid, and with depression and with genocide and all this stuff. And it's, they found a new way to discriminate against Jews without calling us by our name. Dina, you were... You were yes, no, I was going to say, I was going to say that in Latin America, thankfully, we don't see as much, you know, what, what Fernando was alluding to was much more in the United States. In Latin America, I think that there's still this politically correctness, you know, like uh, Fernando said, they won't, they won't tell you certain things in your face. Um, they feel more secure when they're talking about Israel. But I have to say, when, uh, at least in several cases, when there, there, ha there have been some incidents, uh, uh, of um, anti-Semitic incidents, whether in the media in Brazil or, you know, in Mexico, you know, government officials making certain comments or Argentina, you can see society reacting against it, which is something quite interesting, quite interesting. You know, it's civil society, it's, um, you know, it's uh, government officials sometimes, but sometimes it's society itself reacting and saying, no, this is not right. And, uh, you know, immediately, whether the person is fired or, you know, the person is reprimanded, I always say that for me, one of the examples, uh, the prime examples, of how much we have advanced in, in Latin America is the fact that the, 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 the mayor of one of the largest cities in the world, Mexico City, is a Jewish woman, Claudia Sheinbaum. And she has never been attacked, at least openly, because of being Jewish. She can be attacked because she's a bad mayor, she can be attacked because she's inefficient or whatever. But they know, at least publicly, I don't know, you know, behind closed doors, but publicly, nobody has said, oh, she's Jewish. And therefore, you know, which for me is incredible, incredible, you know, uh, very complicated city, very, you know, very fraught environment. That is quite something. Well, thank you so very much to both of you for shedding some light on, on what's going on uh, in the Latin American region, which is indeed a very important region for us to cover and consider as we continue the fight against anti-Semitism. So thank you both. Thank you for the opportunity, Mania. Now it's time for our closing segment, Shabbat Table Talk. This year, for the first time since moving from Chicago to a New Jersey suburb, my family enjoyed our small town's 4th of July celebration on July 1st. Inside the friendly, fenced-in confines of what townies here call Liberty Field, my children played tag with their friends and danced while we adults relaxed. My mind took me back to another Independence Day, 
When trapped in the press of a downtown Chicago crowd, I heard gunshots. As much as I miss living in Chicago every day of the week, this was the bright side of our move to the suburbs. Our kids were safe, no gunshots. But that was my thought on July 1st. How naive it seemed by July 4th, when I got the news that the 4th of July parade in Highland Park, Illinois, a Chicago suburb, had become a nightmare for so many. Seven people have died so far, including the parents of a two-year-old who toddled out of harm's way and will now be raised by his grandparents, Jews from the former Soviet Union. Highland Park is a hub of Jewish activity, humanistic Judaism, Orthodox Judaism, everything in between. The rabbi who named my two children leads a reform congregation there. So those of us who monitor anti-Semitism have been holding our breath to hear the shooter's motives. On the last day of Passover, the same day a shooter walked into the Chabad of Poway, California three years ago, this shooter visited a Chabad synagogue in Highland Park, thankfully with no incident, hopefully deterred by security. But regardless of whether the 4th of July massacre was anti-Semitic, it was anti-American, carried out as neighbors gathered together to celebrate our enduring, fragile democracy. It was anti-everything, anti-freedom, anti-democracy, and so is anti-Semitism. AJC says that again and again in hopes that people will connect the dots. Anti-Semitism is more than just a hatred of Jews. It is a societal ill. In other words, every expression of anti-Semitism leading up to this point has been a sign that something is very wrong in our country. It's a sign that none of us are safe, whether we live in the city or the suburbs, worship in a synagogue, church, or mosque, or gather on the streets and exercise democracy. Anti-Semitic, anti-American, anti-everything. They're really not that far apart. And that's what I'll be thinking about at my family's Shabbat table this week. Shabbat Shalom. If you missed last week's episode, be sure to tune in for our recap of AJC's Great Debate, featuring New York Times columnist Brett Stevens versus American University historian Pam Nadell on the state of American Jewry. And coming up next week, President Biden's upcoming visit to Israel. Thank you for listening. This episode is brought to you by AJC. Our producer is Atara Lakritz. Our sound engineer is TK Broderick. You can subscribe to People of the Pod on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, or learn more at ajc.org slash peopleofthepod. The views and opinions of our guests don't necessarily reflect the positions of AJC. We'd love to hear your views and opinions or your questions. You can reach us at peopleofthepod at ajc.org. If you've enjoyed this episode, please be sure to tell your friends, tag us on social media with hashtag peopleofthepod, and hop on to Apple Podcasts to rate us and write a review to help more listeners find us. Tune in next week for another episode of People of the Pod. 